This episode is sponsored by Aura. Every once in a while, a product comes along that changes everything. And that product is Aura. Aura is an easy-to-use app that includes everything families need to protect their identities, money, passwords, devices, and more. It's really easy to set up and has everything you need. So you don't have to download seven separate apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, ID theft, and transaction monitoring, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. What makes Aura different, you say? It's simple to set up. It protects against today's and tomorrow's threats, and with parental controls to let your kids explore the internet safely, filter harmful sites, apps, and manage screen time easily. Online safety for today's digital safety. It's tech that grows with you and your family. Browse safely, surf smartly, Aura comes packed with all the tools you need to protect you and your family from the online threats you can't see. Our listeners will get a 14-day free trial of Aura for individuals, couples, or their family by going to Aura.com potential. That's Aura, spelled A-U-R-A, dot com slash potential. Once again, get your first 14-day free trial of Aura by going to Aura.com potential. Protect what's important. Proactive protection for your assets, identity, family, and tech across every device. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow Guardian of the Galaxy, Taylor Sokol. Today we're reviewing the latest superhero film in the MCU and the third film of the trilogy. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by James Gunn. Uh, our squad back for one more ride, at least this iteration of the Guardians that we've been following since 2014 when they were first introduced. Uh, hard to believe, you know, we've had now this is our third major film. Of course, they played big parts in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And the last time we saw them was for a brief sequence in Thor Love and Thunder, but we don't really talk about that. So, no. Well, they also were, they also had a nice little Christmas uh, with Kevin Bacon. So. We do have the Christmas <laughs> special, which really was great. And that was a little more of a setup for, you know, Thor Love and Thunder kind of left them off like, okay, they're off to go find Gamora, I guess. Christmas special gave us a little more of a, heat, a hint and tease towards what this film was going to be about. But we were very excited to check out Guardians 3. This has been one of my favorites of the MCU, and uh, the trailers look great. So, this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. If you've not actually gone and seen the film, go see it before listening to this review, unless you want things spoiled for you. So, Taylor, what is a brief synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3? So, in Guardians of the Galaxy, our final iteration of these characters, the film, we see the Guardians are embarking on a desperate mission to protect Rocket. Rocket uh, is... Uh, that we we focus on a history and story of him, but he's in dire straits uh, point in the story and they're trying to protect him, save his life and also protect him from a new big bad 
in the MCU, the high evolutionary. So Chris and I are very excited um, also to review this because uh, for those of you uh, listened to our episode or have not, we actually had an exclusive interview with the high evolutionary Chikuti and Wuji uh, for before this film. And we got a lot of good teasers about what was coming up, but we uh, he didn't give too much, but it was especially awesome to see him on the scene for this. But yeah, I was pretty pumped about this one. Chris and I have been going back and, you know, you know, been watching the MCU from its iteration. It's hard to believe over 10 years, um, almost, you know, yeah, almost 10 years since the Guardians were first introduced that we're getting this really great send off for these characters. As we, we've seen um, a lot of the actors have said they, this is the last time they're reprising these characters. Um, although who knows what's going on, you know, in the future because money does talk, but um, it was going to be a lot of emotional stakes, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of anticipation for both Chris and I of what this film was going to do because you have a lot of arcs to wrap up, but also adding some new flavor and characters to the MCU. Yeah, I mean, there's so much they could have done with this film, but as it was promised that this is the last one James Gunn would direct, and therefore this was the last one a lot of these actors were going to do, it was going to be a actual tied-up story. Now, of course, this is the MCU, so we do know that some characters will go on, and there's always possibilities for the future, uh, especially with, you know, we got some big Avengers films coming up in a couple years, uh, so we might need some of these players to uh, fight the good fight, but the core of this film being all about Rocket was a really smart idea because from the first film, we had that scene where they're on nowhere and, you know, Drax is getting into gambling and obviously getting drunk and him and Rocket are fighting. And he has that scene where Rocket takes out his big ass gun and he's like, he's like, you know, he keeps making fun of me. I didn't, want to be made into this i don't want to be tortured and remade over and over again and turned into some little monster and ever since that scene and even in the jail scene where we see that he's got these things that are embedded into his body these little robotic things that clearly he is a raccoon that has been able to talk he's very smart he's really good with machinery and weaponry he didn't start that way he was turned into that so the core of this film being these flashback scenes of showing how the high evolutionary tortured and, you know, tested on these these animals was a, a great way to not only give us all the feels and by God, did we have the feels? I mean, there are some scenes that are a little hard to watch, especially for younger audiences in terms of animal torture. But then it gives you even more joy for kicking the high evolutionary's ass at the end. Um, and it just gives, it, it, it's a different kind of villain. You know, I mean, yes, the high Evo has these powers of gravity as he's, he's evolved, but it made it more like he really was like this true evil bad guy who not so much has like take over the world vibes. I mean, yes, he does. He wants to change the universe. He wants to perfect it. That's kind of his mission. So it's a little more creepy, mad scientist yeah. vibes. As opposed to like Thanos, who's like, I want to wipe out half the universe. And, you know, this guy is just crazy. And yes, Chikuti killed this role. But the film starts off with, I mean, we do have this little tease of, it was a great transition of these baby raccoons, high evolutionary coming in and grabbing one. And then it transitions to 
present day, if you will, on nowhere, Rocket is listening to the noon. I mean, the Zune yeah. that uh, <laughs> he has, and uh, it, you know, of Quills, and he's listening to Creep. And I thought that was already a great start to the film of like, yes, that's very much his vibe of you know, I'm a creep, I don't belong here. But Rocket's already kind of chilled out more than he has been, which was kind of a great transition. And we see Quill as a drunk mess because, of course, based on the events in Endgame, the Gamora that he knows is dead. And he, there is a Gamora out there that doesn't remember any of their romance. But we're introduced to our first like big new character, Adam Warlock, who was teased in the post credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Will Poulter, who... I get now why they cast Will Poulter. They were, of course, in James Gunn world of doing Adam Warlock, who you can tell he had teased the character, wrote the script for this, and went, ah, crap. I teased I, that I character. Promise, I promised something. I got to deliver. <laughs> now, if this film had been like a three and a half hour film or something, I think Warlock would have had a lot more screen time. I think it adds up to about 12 minutes or something. So he's not in the film a ton. But there's some great stuff with Adam Warlock. And even though he is this strong, you know, godlike character in some ways, they really play up the buffoonery that he is like a week old. He is a yeah, he's a he is a, literally a child, and and there's a lot of that kind of similar kind of Drax where he doesn't get a lot of doesn't you know, humor, sarc- sarcasm. Yeah, and I thought it was a great connection because we bring back the sovereign and the fact that they were one of these races or species that was created by the High Evo. So it's a really good tie back to them. And yeah, he's coming there because he's, you know, sent to sent to, you know, take out the guardians, but really he's there to get rocket and uh, through all this fight rocket gets hurt. And we find out because of his experimentation, he has a kill switch on his heart that they need a code for. So he has like literally like, you know, days, days to live. And so they go on this quest to, to get all this. And this, this is where it was great. It goes back to what makes the Guardians so awesome is this ragtag group that, you know, they go on these little heists and these things that don't always go to plan, but they, they, they come out on top. Um, and I really liked that, you know, talking about characters that we had, um, uh, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, um, Craglin, uh, who, so funny. Craglin, so great in this. Cause he's been, he's kind of more of a side character, but he definitely has moments. And we also were kind of teased with, um, the character of Cosmo, but Cosmo is this, uh, uh, basically was, you know, kind of like in the Soviet space race, his dog that was shot onto space and then uh, ends up, um, you know, like telekinesis you know, we'll now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is, it can talk, which is so uh, great. Yeah. So funny. And the two of them have this great running joke throughout the whole film where uh, he calls her a bad dog early in the film and the whole film, he keeps like doing it. He's like, everyone's like, can you just call her a good dog already and take it back? He's like, can't do it if she's a bad dog. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just added a lot of humor. And, you know, Craglin, you know, obviously we lost Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He sacrifices himself at the end to save Peter. So, therefore, the arrow needed to be passed down. And Craglin, uh, as a former, you know, Ravager under Yondu, is the one who took up the mantle. But, of course, there's the humor of he doesn't know how to use it very well. He's He's bad at it. And I love even the first time he did it. He tries to whistle and it goes right into Nebula and she just looks at it like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Which was really funny. So, of course, the whole film is him trying to practice and do it and he's just not good at it. Uh, which, of course, you know is going to pay off later in the film. But as you mentioned, yes, 
High Evolutionary wants Rocket for his brain. And uh, the whole thing is that, you know, he's creating this race. He's basically taking animals and able to put them in these changer chambers that will evolve them over hundreds of years instantly. The problem is they all have massive rage. They have crazy rage. And the thing is, he knows that using Rocket's brain, they would be able to become this, you know, society. And he, that's his whole point is he wants to make a perfect society. Even the sovereign to him are not the perfect society. Because well, the, the fact that the fact that Rocket was one of the only experiments where he doesn't know how he created this, he created like that, that he was able to, because he's able to create these creatures and like he, you know, he has this, you know, we go into later um, what he's done, but because Rocket was this anomaly that could like create its own thought and have, he's like, how to, how did I create this? I I want to duplicate that to like with Rocket's brain and my all these creations, I can create you know perf perfection. And he just it's just the one that got away. And then he's like, so he's still trying to get there. And um, but you know, you know they're trying to save Rocket, but at the cost of they get bring Rocket closer and closer to the villain. So it's kind of one of those things like, well, we need this guy, but it's like. <laughs> We, they couldn't we, leave him out nowhere. They had to take him along. And, you know, most of the film, he's on this like hospital bed chamber with like a breathing tube, which makes for a lot of, you know, let's go back to these flashback scenes and talking about the flashback scenes. I mean, obviously, we do get to see Baby Rocket and see the first of his experimentation. And that was actually the hardest scene for me to watch was Baby Rocket being thrown into a cage and he's got all this metal on him and he's very scared and very you know confused and doesn't know what happened to him and you can tell he's just very shaken up but then he meets lila and this was a great character um mcu alum linda cardellini gets to voice uh lila the otter who has metal arms and other metal pieces on her then we meet um a walrus who's got these huge tires and other things and that's teeth's <laughs> And then we have this poor rabbit who looks like a spider. And that was just creepy looking, but uh, floor. And that's a whole scene that they, they don't know what their names are and they end up naming themselves. And, you know, at one point when Rocket's helping the evolutionary as he's growing older and getting more of a connection and he sees a, a ship go off and that's his whole dream is that one day I'm, I'm going to fly us out of here and we're going to fly into space forever. And so he's like, my name's Rocket. And they James Gunn really did this great work of of even in this horror scene, which he's, you know, that's a big sandbox he plays in this love and camaraderie between these four animals that even in their dire situation where they are in these small cages and they're being they tortured the and yeah. they make the best of it. They're friends. And even though they, you know, can't really, they think that eventually they're going to get to live on this perfect planet that the high evolutionary is building. And it just sets this again, it, it set not only for the flashback scenes of you just being like, God, I hate this guy because of what he's doing to these animals. But it's one of those cycle things where you think about if this never happened, we'd never get Rocket as he's meant to be. You know, we would never have all these 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 scenes of him with the action, the fighting. You know, one thing we still don't know is when he met Groot, that could be a whole film backstory of, of Groot and Rocket. You know, we could do a buddy cut film, which I would love. But like, you know, it's one of those things where, like they never got experimented. We never had these characters, but there is this interesting relationship too that the High Evolutionary does that I thought Shakuti played very well of like being like a father figure, befriending these animals, but then there's the crazy side of him, the madness. 
there was a whole scene where like, he's really bonding with Rocket, and then it's like instantly back to anger mode, throws him in the cage, and there's a whole scene where he's drunk looking for him, and you're just like, it, it was such a great villain dynamic of this dude is bats crazy. Well, it goes back to Shakespearean roots. It really is this great Shakespearean, like he's so nuts and narcissistic, but he's very charming and flips on a dime. But yeah, it's so heartbreaking to see those scenes because um, it's just great also to have a villain where like, I don't, I, I can, there's no empathy to have for this person. I understand what he's doing, but it's like pure villain. And it also, this makes you, when you watch this film, it makes you want to go back and you look, will look at Rocket a whole different way. If you go back and watch these films, it makes it, it makes you appreciate those films so much more, which I didn't think that was possible. And that's what I really loved about the Rocket arc. Especially, you know, the trilogies we've had. Um, some have been great. Some have had, you know, different kind of avenues and angles as the MCU's evolved. This really is a trilogy you could watch, even with the Infinity War Endgame middle piece and find it a very satisfying trilogy. But I mean... You know, Rocket being brilliant, he starts to collect these little pieces and he's able to make the card that's actually like the gate card for their cages. And in the most heartbreaking scene of the film, he decides to break out his friends. And there's this great moment where he's hugging Lila. And then the High Evolutionary shoots Lila and she falls and dies. And we get this gut wrenching from Rocket and we've also seen that Teefs and Flora have been killed and he's all like I knew you would do this I knew you would make something and try to escape them and blah 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 and in one of my favorite scenes because it's so horror but it's so gratifying you know in all these present day scenes we see the High Evolutionary has what looks like a face mask he has like a, a face that's been like put onto him and not at all how he looks in these flashback scenes well in a huge bit of anger rocket leaps onto his face and scratches the hell out of him and we i love this shot that james gunn does you see like the bottom half of chikuti's mouth and just blood keeps flowing into his mouth and rocket is literally scratching the hell out of him and then he looks back and his friends are dead and he's just what do i do and then he escapes and this is how obviously there's there's something that changes in rocket that he becomes extremely angry extremely secluded and which is why i would love to see you know, if if Bradley and Vin were willing to do it, which I'm sure they would be, if we got like a a rocket group backstory of like how he befriends Groot and how he becomes kind of like a thief and like a you know a a gun for hire and all this kind of stuff, where then eventually the Guardians of the Galaxy bring him back to you know even though he's an animal humanity if you will bring him back to a good place because that was just man when that happened I was like. F you James Gunn, but also what a scene. That was, oh, yeah. to me, one of the best scenes in the movie. But you bring it up, you know, the Guardians is going to have a lot of humor, a lot of fun wonkiness. Along the journey, to get this passcode so that they can, this kill switch that uh, Rocket has. We get to this one planet. This is a lot of people keep saying in the, in the film trailers, it looks like uh, the game Among Us. But the Guardians have to go into this one planet and they all have different color suits and this was comedy gold because you got Nathan Fillion, who is not his first time in, in a Guardians film. Yeah. But uh, he plays one of these like high ranking officers. And first off, the suits that they wore were so goofy. I was cracking up. They looked like poofy, 
It looked like he's he's missing his headpiece to go play Bowser or something. Like it was so funny. Yeah, they, they look like you know when you're in school and they're like you're watching a film of like what looks like a, a this is what germs look like in your body. It's like yeah, Hi, it, it was germ. so goofy. It was like poofy and and it looked like poofy stone. But I love this humor that you know obviously Drax is not the brightest bulb and Nathan Fillion being like, oh you got one of those too? Yeah, I got one too. That humor throughout the whole sequence was so funny. But they, you know, this is where we haven't really talked much about Star-Lord so far. Peter Quill, obviously very depressed, and he's not the bright, you know, not the happiest because of the whole Gamora situation. He's still very much hurting. But he gets to play up his charm, and, you know, him reuniting with this new version of Gamora, who is a much harsher, more dangerous, more edgy not as loving, you know, I thought that was a lot of great stuff to play with character that he, he almost has to recharm her, but she's not the same Gamora anymore. So, you know, she's not all up to his charms and there was some great humor too with him. He's like, watch me charm this girl. And that's, it just added some great character because I think, you know, we could have just had the two of them in romance world again, but what's great about this film is, Ultimately, we never get back to which I think Star- was smart. Yeah. Was a smart choice. It was smart, yeah, because you know sometimes you got to look at past relationships and go, "We were great, but that was that. This is yeah. now. We can't forward. get that back." But on the juxtaposition, Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, she has had an incredible arc, and the fact that she kind of is like, kind of plays like the best, really like a best friend to Quill. Although there was like, Gunn has stated that there was no intention. I could see like even Karen Gillan's like. There's like a little bit of a crush that maybe Nebula, there was a kind of like a tease, but I like that they didn't go the romantic route with that because this again was the focus like Sean, um, sorry, James Gunn had stated, if you look at these three films, the first one is about the mother, second one's about the father, and this one is about the self. And then every one of these characters goes to this big self reflection of who they are, who they want to be, where did they come from, from Rocket to everyone. So I think that was really smart. And of course, Talk about Drax. I do love Drax and <laughs> uh, Mantis. Their Palm and Batista play such a good, as we saw in their holiday special, they play a good Buster Keaton kind of, you know, thing. And uh, it's, you know, really, really fun and satisfying to see their kind of relationship as it's, a, a, it is a very good, like, friendship. There's no romance. So I think that was very, very well done and organized in that time. But yeah, we get to, you know, we get to see high evolutionaries, one experiment, uh, counter earth, which is this basically earth in every way, but these anthropomorphized animals, which is some great scenes as they're trying to communicate with them. And, uh, uh they almost get attacked by the locals because Drax is an idiot. Yes. That scene they show in the trailer where he throws the basketball back at the little animal girl and knocks her down. They're all pissed. Fun facts, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 officially now is the movie with the most amount of prosthetics used. Uh, over 28,000 actors have prosthetics, uh, which is pretty remarkable. And I mean, that was kind of great. Is Obviously, in the, on the ship, when they have like, you know, High Evolutionary has like this giant kind of pig and I guess hawk kind of like goonies that are like, yeah. they look like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle characters. Yeah. They're all CGI. <laughs> But everyone on the planet pretty much was, you know, I'm sure there was a few scenes of, of, of CGI. They're all like people in, in makeup, which was really neat. And it was bizarre, like even Peter landing there. He hasn't been back to Earth 
since he was kidnapped essentially, you know, after the death of his mom. And it looks all like Earth, but there are all these creatures. So I thought that was hilarious. And, you know, again, this whole time, although briefly used, Adam Warlock continues to chase down the Guardians because it's not only he's trying to get Rocket for his mom, it's also have his, you know, the Sovereign be in good graces, um, you know. And there was that one scene on the planet we just were before where it's like, Let's uh, you know, let's get the information from him. Really, you know, and he he just zaps this dude to death, and she's <laughs> like, "You idiot! What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, how else were we supposed to do that?" Uh, some great humor, but you know, this whole sequence on this planet is they see High Evolutionary's huge ship, which looks like some Rubik's, Rubik's cube. That's like it's like the red. Borg. It's like the Borg, yeah, which you remind me a lot of the Borg. Yeah, but I mean, we get some great action. You know, they they realize they're looking for one of his goonies that has this. Uh, headship that might have the information they need for rocket and Groot you know this is now you know this is Groot's son so we had Groot from the first film who sacrificed himself his seed gives birth to Groot's son and we had baby Groot who was hilarious and then that eventually turned into a teenage Groot which was some great humor throughout the Infinity War saga but now this is like a mature Groot somewhat again, like yeah, young adult. Groot. He's really buff. Uh, yeah, he's really small. bulky. And him hiding all these guns in his uh, branches was great for this scene of let's go find this guy and, and, you know, take them all out. I mean, it was a great action sequence. And Cole even like, I'm going to jump off the ship. And I love this humor of like, like High Evolutionary is going to blow up the planet. He's like, you know, I want to restart. That's the only way I can do it. He's like, this this isn't good enough. These these are not the perfect creatures. So he's willing to blow up this entire planet of, of creatures just to restart. And Quill and Groot get off the ship, but Nebula, Mantis, and Drax have jumped onto the ship because they think Peter is still on the ship. Yeah. So of course, we get some great humor of like, where are you guys at? We're off the ship. We're just on the ship. Yeah. And yes, we do have uh, on the planet the first ever... MCU F bomb, which was a great sequence of I again what I thought how it works so well is because it's a device that works on Peter's world that Nebula's probably never seen. She's never seen a car. She's seen spaceships and space vehicles. So her not able to open the door and it's like, press the button. The button under the handle. And now what? Get in the effing car. Yeah, was exactly. Like a great... And of course he's he hasn't driven a car ever because he was a kid. <laughs> so he's terrible. <laughs> he's like, I was eight when I was kidnapped. What do you expect? Yeah, that was just great. But kind of going into the the last big chunk of the film, this is like, okay, they are able to revive Rocket. And there's this beautiful scene where he's going into the light and he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to join my friends. And Lila's like, not yet. You still have stuff to do. That was a beautiful scene because, you know, it gave a little of redemption, I guess, in a way, even if, even if it's in his head, that his friends didn't, get killed for nothing you know there's still a purpose to take down the high evolutionary and it's great to have rocket you know okay he's back now because really again this whole film minus the first scene of the movie this is all flashbacks he's been on a bed but uh we get this whole like okay we're gonna we're gonna join forces and take this guy down mantis drax nebula find that there's all these children on the ship so again a new species that uh New group of experiments that High Evolutionary is creating, and they're you know higher beings. 
and they're like, we got to save all these kids. We can't. And this is where it was a great, again, looking at the arc that Drax gets back to his father roots. Yes. So much of his anger in the first film is that he thought Ronan had killed his wife and daughter. And then he's like, actually, it was Thanos. And then that kind of led into all his Thanos anger. Well, this is getting his arc back to becoming a father. He has like this connection with these kids. Again, some great humor of him being just an idiot. Like, he's like, I'm going to be a, what it was like, I'm going to be a squirrel or something. He's like, tuck, 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 like a no, robot. A monkey. Or yeah, he's like, or a monkey. Yeah, a monkey. Doesn't that sound like a monkey? <laughs> so dumb, but. And they get thrown into this pit, and there's three of those giant creatures that they fought in the second film, but then Mantis is able to tame them. I thought that was like a beautiful moment that, you know, she's like, they're just scared of us. And them now writing these things. But man, we get this. It's like, you know, Gamora's like, we're not going to be able to take all these people down. Like, we must. And they're like, that's not what we do. We're the Guardians of the Galaxy. If we have to die, we die. This hallway fight scene was the coolest scene I've seen in MCU in like a long time. Like, yeah, yeah. Not just passes. the Guardians, MCU in like, like a, in a while. Since probably oh. Endgame fights, I was like, I'd say probably since the Endgame fight of. Chris Evans with the the hammer, you know, that kind of excitement where you were like leading into the final battle. This was all one shot, just awesome. Showing how the Guardians really can their their strengths, their their techniques of battle, you know, Quill with his guns, Mantis doing some crazy kicks, rocking with his guns, Groot just slamming people with his branches and stuff. I mean, it Gamora with her sword. Nebula getting like punched in the face at one point. Her neck fully cracks back because she's robotic. She can like reform herself. I mean, it was so badass. I was like, that's the scene. Go back just to watch in theaters again because you want to see it on the big screen. Oh, 100%. I agree. Yeah, just that. The space battles, it was incredible. And we, and with all this action, you still get these heartfelt moments. So they're saving all the kids. And, but Rocket sees all these animals that left behind that had been experimented on. And he's like, I got to save all of them. And they're like, what are you doing? So it's almost like this, like sci-fi Noah's Ark where all the animals are like stampeding out. They're like, Oh my, <laughs> like, it's not like perfect. Cause they're attacking the, the nowhere townsfolk. <laughs> like, um, but like, we got to save them all. So they, they, they get them all out there, but we have this epic. I, I, and I'm glad they did this. We do have this final epic face off with not just Rocket and High Evo, but all the Guardians get the beat down on High Evo, and it's just so oh, satisfying. It was so satisfying because there was a moment where you're like, crap, he's going he's gonna to finally kill Rocket. But Rocket's smart. Rocket is smarter than the High Evolutionary. He even teased in the beginning of the film that his gravity boots would outdo the... Because that's the whole thing, is High Evolutionary has mastered gravity. And he was like, I'm, I'm testing my gravity boots to see how they work. He knew that that would be his advantage. And it was cool how even in the, the shot, it you know, all the Guardians were like helping all the kids and the animals get off the ship as it's exploding. But there wasn't like a, we got to go back and get Rocket. It was like, where's Rocket? So you played this idea that's just going to be Rocket. And then he's getting blasted by the evolutionary, you know, up until the, and he's like, I made you. And then Chikuti's just, you know, chewing the scenery with this great over-the-top villain monologue. And then they just come out of nowhere and start kicking his ass. I mean, like, he's getting slammed, punched, shot at. And then just this moment. And I, it was, you know, I thought it was going to be Rocket. But 
for it to be Gamora who rejoins this group and, you know, sees the value in them, even if she's not the same Gamora, ripping off his face. And that was like a great horror moment. Just he looks like Red Skull, like his face is just bloody and he's missing teeth and his eyeballs all punctured. And you can tell he's just ugly, which, of course, to him is you know it's like a phantom of the opera moment he he lives for perfection so see what he really looks like underneath and rocket has this moment to be like do i shoot him and kill this man who has done such evil stuff and he puts his gun away and he goes no i'm not gonna do it because you know what i'm a freaking guardian of the galaxy and even the scene before when when he's about to shoot him he goes the name's rocket raccoon this whole trilogy all these films he's always been like i'm not a raccoon even in the first of the, yeah, like, what is that film, what's a raccoon yeah he doesn't know that he's a raccoon till the end of this film and that was just a beautiful moment where he's like oh i am a raccoon and saving all these animals and, and that's the and that's his character's name in, in the comics is rocket raccoon rocket raccoon and so yeah the high evo uh does not get killed but he's just left there obviously and the ship is gonna blow up and i mean what a great role by chikuti but the only thing that I, even I was kind of like eh, with was we've already had these moments of Peter Quill jumping off into to save someone or do something and him almost getting killed by space. And in this one, he he, he he's trying to jump off the ship. Of course, he goes back. His Zoom is almost falling. That's his last kind of now connection to his mother. And he does get it. But then at the point of almost not making it cross and then it's like, who's going to save him? Adam Warlock has been a villain but he's not a bad guy you know he's a bad guy but not a bad guy because he doesn't know what his purpose is Groot saves him at one point and he's like why would you do that and he's like you know you're he he realizes that oh I maybe have a better purpose than what I've been sent to do he saves Quill and Peter does survive and I was okay with it, but I did agree. I, I listened to a review that I think would have worked better was if Gamora had saved him. Yeah. Cause it, no, because it was full circle because in the full first circle, one yeah. he saves her Yeah, and that would have made more sense. And then not keep the romantic angle still as like, cause they do part, they part as friends. They're like, they, excuse me, they part as friends and they're like amicable. Like you are Gamora, but you're not my Gamora. I accept that now. That's fine. But it was kind of like, really, that would have been a better full circle moment because it's funny because he doesn't have his signature mask at all in this whole movie, which I always like. And that would have been great if like he had given it to Gamora here, if you need some help and she ends up giving it to him. That would have been, I think, more impactful. Well, even uh, James Gunn commented on that, that if you remember it in volume two, his mask and his tape all get destroyed by uh, Ego. And then he just has a mask in the third one in uh, in the Infinity War. Now, I would also kind of say, I'm sure that's a mask you could buy. You know, I'm sure it's not like it's one rare piece that only Star-Lord has. So I'm like, I'm not surprised he would have had another. But a lot of people are like, where's his mask in this movie? It's in a drawer or something. You know, that's what James yeah, well, he forgot to. I'm like, eh, he forgot. OK, which I get it. Maybe, if, you know, he, he even though he's kind of drunk in the beginning of the movie, once Rockets hurt, they need to get out of there. So maybe yeah. he was just like not thinking about it. But Yes, they part on good terms, and even Peter's like, you know what? I have been gone from Earth for so long, and with this Gomorrah stuff, he's like, I need to take some time. So I am stepping down as captain of the Guardians of the Galaxy, 
And I'm going to now hand it off to Rocket. And everyone else is like, oh, yeah, Rocket's the one to do it. And he's like, he's, of course, a little taken back by it. But um, Drax is going to stay and help these kids with Nebula on Nowhere, who's going to be now like the leader of Nowhere. And that's just a beautiful moment again. And Mantis is like, I, you know, Ego took me when I was just a child and I've been his bitter for so long until we took him out. So I need to take some time as well. And again, we we kind of teased it earlier. Craglin and Cosmo did have that great moment in the film when they're finding the, the big last battle. Um, he does use the arrow to take out a bunch of these creatures. And at one point he's about to be killed. And the, the, the hawk looking thing is like a dog. And he's like, She's a good dog. And then yeah. it's huge, just cement blocks. It's I, like love your, I love your Sean Gunn impression, by the way. That's pretty good. <laughs> I just love his his character. And this is so, the way he talks. But it's still, I think it's the, it's either the first film or the second film where he's like, Cap's got to do stuff. It's still one of my favorite lines. <laughs> exactly. Um, and fun fact, for those who don't know, you know, this entire time, he's also been the stand-in for Rocket. Yes. So Bradley Cooper voices Rocket, but for CGI purposes and just to have a, you know, a body sometimes, Shangun will be on his knees or on his feet in a green cap suit to kind of for, for certain rocket moments, which is great. But then, yeah, we have so now we have a new iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy led by Rocket, which ultimately is uh, Rocket, Groot, uh, you got Adam Warlock, you have one of the kids, uh, Kraglin, Cosmo, and I love that in the post credit scene, we do finally get giant Groot, which has been a thing in the comics and I just love he's kind of like rock form in the ground. It's like, get up, Groot. And he's like, like just huge. And they're like, all right, I guess we'll uh, we'll battle. And I, I love that. Um, and Peter does go home. And he sees his grandpa. And his grandpa immediately recognizes him. Which I thought was a little funny just because I'm like, if you haven't seen someone in 30 years, would you like instantly be like, oh, my God. But yeah, it was a sweet the, moment. That's always in a movie. But it was yeah, only in a movie. It'd be like, who the hell are you? That, I yeah. thought that almost been a funnier ending. Like, grandpa. Who? Um, but it did say at the end that the legendary Star Lord will return. And Chris Pratt has never said that he's done with this role. So I do wonder if he's gonna be, you know, now he's on Earth where we're getting Captain America New World Order coming up. We're getting Thunderbolts, uh, you know, moving in soon to Fantastic Four. You know, we're gonna have Kang's Dynasty, Secret Wars. So I do wonder what guardians will be used moving forward. You know, I'm pretty sure at this point, Zoe, De Batista, um, Palm, I think they're all done. Karen Gillan, I'm not sure. But I would love to see Rock and Group back for like an adventure. Again, it'd be, it'd be fun to see this new version of the Guardians. That, and you even know, have flashbacks between him and Groot in that. You yeah, know, like they could do like a new one. Now, of course, James Gunn, this is it for him. He's not going to come back. And of course, now he's off to... He's now one of the heads of DC and he's gearing up to direct the next Superman film. So I do wonder where they're going to go moving forward with these characters. But just as a finality to what these this you know group has been, this has been one hell of a trilogy. James Gunn really, you know, for you know, everyone knew who Iron Man was and Thor. No one knew if these characters were going to work. And this has been to me one of the most successful storytelling you know arcs within the mcu and it just shows the power of these characters this was another film that had great action great storytelling heart-wrenching drama but then hilarity like you were laughing you were crying 
just a great film overall. And, and, you know, with the slew of the MCU we've had recently, this is a step up again. I do fear we're going to go right back down again because uh, if you, if I haven't mentioned it before, Captain Marvel is one of my least favorite MCU movies. The Marvels looks okay to me at best. So I'm not really sure if the MCU is going to be able to hold it up much longer until maybe next year. At least in the film. I mean, we do have our shows Echo and Loki coming out this fall. So we shall see, you know, what that's going to do. But yeah, I also got to add another killer soundtrack. James Gunn has a great taste for music. And I think Guardian's signature of music was really well done. Also bringing not only a little more 90s, but also 2000s. And it really, with especially with the dog days uh, are over, what a great kind of send off. Oh, just a beautiful film. I actually cannot wait to go see this movie again. I, I probably will go see this back in theaters. 100% for this film to not only be as an MCU film and to wrap up the Guardians as we know them, the first iteration, I'm going to give this solid um, I'm gonna give this a solid nine out of ten. The only reason I would, you know, not give a ten is I feel like we didn't use Adam Warlock as much and um, some other kind of elements. But really, really great film. I had such a ball. Yeah, this is a solid nine out of ten, and I agree. Warlock, I thought, you know, there, there's definitely a version of that. This could have been all Warlock being the main villain, and then by the end, coming to terms, but. There could be a bright future for Will Poulter as Warlock. Um, we could see him again in the future, and I wonder if they will continue him. It clearly was his whole point was this is Rocket's story, not Adam Warlock's story. And I had to throw him in there because I did tease him. So apart from that, this is a 9 out of 10. It's a great film, and I would also love to go see it again in theaters. But you can now continue to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And you can go watch any of the previous ones on Disney Plus, but go see the new one currently in theaters. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email. The Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.